welcome to episode 198 of the Finger Guns podcast. I'm your host again. My name's Kat and I hope you've had a wonderful bank holiday. Um, yeah, let's get into it. I can't believe it's 198. Two weeks or two podcast episodes away from the big 200 and we have loads of uh, special surprises for you, which we cannot wait to get into. Um, but it's not just me here. I am joined by Mr. Miles Thompson. Hello there. Hello. How are you? Very good, thank you. Very good. Have you had a good bank holiday, even though I probably know the answer because I've been with you for all of it? <laughs> I was going to say, we have spent the bank holiday together, so I'd hope that you would know. But uh, yes, it's been very nice. Thank you. Um, and we've had even more games this week. It's been lovely catching up on some backlog stuff. So yeah, lots to talk about, which will be fun. Yeah. Also, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got Miles's spiritual brother from another mother, Joshua Thompson. That's me. Hello. That is you. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, dude? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Very tired. Um, oh. I I was reaping what I sowed last week in last week's podcast about Mario being the biggest film ever in the world entirely for this year. Um, yeah, I think my, I think my predictions are correct. Um, I think your photos suggest your predictions are correct. And for anybody who wants a little bit of context for that, Josh angrily sent me and Miles pictures of the cinema room floor the other day after a Mario screening. And that was my floor. It was just popcorn. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I sent you, I think I sent you the photo of, uh, it was like one of the seats covered in nougat. It's, you know, like the inside of a Milky Way. There's like an American version of that. Um, I can't remember what the name of it. It doesn't matter. Anyway, basically chocolate spread all over the back of seats, rubbed in all over the cross the floor, uh, and they like ripped seats out. So I know I know Mario yeah, was I pretty decent. Seats. I didn't know, like, I didn't know if that was just your I didn't want to comment on the ripped seats because I didn't know if that was just your cinema in a place <laughs> where you live or that had happened during that film. No, I mean we won't go too close to where I live <laughs> um yeah no it's not it's not a product of well I guess it is a product of where I live considering that's what happened after it but yeah if you're taking your kids or if you're letting your kids go see Marion please just let them know like please like be kind be nice think of others and you know tidy up after themselves because my goodness it's been a hell of a week. Also, what are you ripping up a seat for? Like, was it that was it that tense? Is it that tense in Mario right now? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Jack Black goes ham on a song about Princess really? Peach. Oh, um, damn. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair um, enough. Say no more. Nothing, nothing, nothing like worthy of seat ripping, but hey-ho. Fair enough. Fair enough. And joining us for... And an, an ordinate amount of time, but we welcome him back with open arms, Mr. Tom Woods. Hello. Hello. How are you doing, good sir? Doing all right. Good. Mm, glad to be things? back. Things good. are all right. Yeah. Good. He's, he's here to win the quiz, and then he'll go away for a couple yep. of weeks. Then I'll leave. <laughs> oh, how you doing? How's your bank holiday been? Oh, I mean, same as normal, to be fair. I don't really do much. I've been cooking. No. I've cooking. been, I've been, been learning to cook. Oh, what um, have you been? What's your specialty so far? Burgers. Oh, nice. I've, I've been doing burgers. I'm doing a curry tomorrow. Oh, yes. Yeah, mm. I love a curry. Nice. 
that sounds great if you ever want to come over and cook you crack on like both of those things I could easily smash um so yeah I'm here for that any time of a day um but we're you know if we could talk about our favorite foods as well we'd probably be here for quite a while because I've got a lot to say about potatoes Miles has got a lot to say about hating potatoes Tom's cooking burgers and curries and Josh is livid about popcorn so I guess we could have a food special if we really wanted to but we can't have a food special because it's about video games people video games and right now we need to talk about our game of the week Miles what is your game of the week my game of the week is Meet Your Maker, which we should all know quite well, given that behaviour made our favourite slash most hated game of all time, Dead by Daylight. It's them. They've made a new game. And it's not nearly as horrible or... Well, it's kind of hard to describe because compared to Dead by Daylight, I love it a lot more and I also don't quite love it as much. It's weird. Um, so it's kind of like a base-building, community-driven um, game where the idea is that for each kind of trial that you do i guess uh you kind of go to a map you select one of 15 they're separated into three different difficulty categories and you have to run through like an outpost to collect this thing called gen mat and then you have to run back to the starting point to escape with your resources now along the way there'll be traps everywhere there will be enemies or guards kind of posted around and the kind of like main mechanic of this is that every outpost that you go to to raid um is made or procedurally created by another player so you can create your own outposts and you'll be raiding other people's outposts. There's no kind of developer-made ones. And as me and Josh found out, the tutorial doesn't even really help you in terms of like, this is what you'll be doing. It's kind of a, this is how the game works. Cool, see you later. Go and join someone's game and see how well or badly you do. Um, and so because of that, there's like a lot of inconsistency. So like some maps are like really cool, really intricate. There'll be like a massive labyrinth maze or some of them will be like, hellish gauntlets where me and josh came up against a couple where it was like we physically didn't even understand how you could even finish them because of how they'd managed to create like the map itself um but i've had a really fun time with it i've really enjoyed kind of the creation kind of tools they're really straightforward and streamlined but with enough depth to make it like satisfying and people have come up with some crazy ones already like it's really really cool um but it's also like a little bit simplistic behavior seemed to have this like knack of basically getting their community to do a lot of the work for them um and this game is the quintessential like point of that where they're basically given like a set of tools and mechanics in the game and then called it a day and said right we'll just let everyone else make the game from here um and then they've pieced out but it's good for what it is it's quite simplistic but it's very fun um and some of the maps you'll come up against will genuinely have you be like how has somebody like created this that's awesome so yeah i wanted to give it a shout out because it's on the ps plus subscription at the moment it's one of the games of the month um and i think it's like 25 quid on other platforms or whatever um which i think is a pretty good price for what it is so yeah i think it's a good one worth trying out uh, i've watched you play it it just kind of reminds me of the fortnite mode where you have to um you know clear checkpoints until the very end yeah it is a bit like that only there's no checkpoints if you die you start again <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough fair enough okay um i did download the other day and um just to get the 50 coins on the playstation rewards yes it's also <laughs> uh, worth it, I for that. it again because it looks like not my game at all um so joshua what is your game good sir is it super mario brothers is it smash brothers is it mario kart sorry uh there's no bros in 
my game of the week. Um, God, I'm kind of thinking between the two. Uh, I like Paparazzi. Uh, that came out uh, this Friday. Uh, it's a first-person like camera game where you take photos of dogs, and that's kind of it. Has a low poly art style, pretty chill vibes. Um, but I really enjoyed my time at the moment with um, Wild Hearts and the uh, free trial that it's got for the week. Um, it's EA's answer to Monster Hunter World. Um, it's set in like uh, old school Japan, and you just fight monsters, um, as far as I know. Um, there's cool little mechanics called uh, karakiris, which is basically like if you put Fortnite building into Monster Hunter, you kind of build these wooden contraptions that have like magic string on them. Um, stuff like blocks that you can climb up, jump off, and then attack uh, the beast for like mega damage or, you know, ramps, uh, towers to scout, them, um, all sorts. There's still so much more that I'm yet to learn about what actually uh, you can you can create. Um, uh, it's It feels a bit more like there's less uh, systems to kind of uh, get your head around from the jump compared to Monster Hunter. I think there's a lot of a lot of moving parts with Monster Hunter that could be quite overwhelming for people that have never played a game before. Um, Cause it certainly overwhelmed me when I, when I had a go at it. Um, and it does feel like you have to persevere um, at the start, but Wild Hearts, it sets it up really nicely, cool little story, um, a lot of mystery to go towards it. And the mon- Monster Hunter itself, it's kind of like, um, it's weaved into the story a little bit better. So there's like reasons as to why you're hunting these, um, these beasts. Um, and yeah, like, yeah, I thought I'd bring it up because at the moment, it, I think uh, the week started, oh, maybe yesterday or the day before. Um, so hopefully there's like a couple, a few more days remaining of it to get yourself a good impression of the game. Um, I'm hoping to jump back into it uh, before the trial ends. Um, but yeah. I really enjoyed it. Nice. I saw on the store it was like £70. Is that worth it? Um, to me, I wouldn't buy it at full price, um, only because I don't know what it has to offer just yet. I still I still think I'm scratching at the surface. Um, reviews have been pretty decent at with, with it. Uh, the graphical fidelity, it feels, it looks kind of like uh, Vaseline's been rubbed over the camera a little bit. Um, there, I think there's been some patches for consoles where the performance in general is pretty decent. I've got it uh, set to um, performance mode on the PS5 uh, and I'm getting like a solid 60 across across uh, the whole game with no like, no um, gl- uh, glitches or anything like that. So it's in a better state than when it launched. I don't know how what it was for PC. It was very badly ported on PC. Um, a lot of issues they had. So hopefully that's been fixed for them. Um, but no, I, I'm going to wait for sale, but not like a massive sale on it. Very nice, very nice. Okay. Um, Tom, what is your game of the week? Fortnite uh, month? A couple of months? What <laughs> uh, have you been playing with, yeah, I've, I've not been on for a while. Uh, and... It's not, I don't know if I played it this week much. 
but uh, I'm going to talk about Resident Evil 4 because it's really, really good. Ooh, yes. Yep. Um, I've beat it three times. <laughs> I'm on my fourth. I'm on my fourth playthrough. It's it's substantially. RE4 was always like pretty big. It's about 15 hours to 20 on like a first playthrough. So first first playthrough took me, I think, like 22 hours because I did everything. Um, mm-hmm. And then I did the runs where you do it. Um, I, I did a, a knife and handgun only run to get the for that because I'm going to try and get the platinum eventually. Um, and then I did a no healing, don't speak to the merchant. Damn. Uh, there was, that's I think the there was one another. that's like locked my friend out. My friend refuses yeah. to not so, be able to speak to the merchant. So, so yeah, one. I, I, the only way I could see doing that is doing it on the easiest difficulty, which when you're in like red health, once you're out of combat, it'll regenerate a little bit. Oh, but, cool. But yeah. you're basically always on the verge of red health if you go down too low. Um, so yeah. it made, made the end of the game a little bit annoying, but I did it on New Game Plus as well, so I had all my... My, oh, nice. so, so yeah, nice my uh, grenade launcher. <laughs> um, yeah, my twenty-three hour playthrough. I got it down to like six. Nice. Um, I I need to do at least three more to get the platinum in there. I don't know. I think I've I think I've played enough of it for a, a little while. Wow. According, according to PlayStation, um, That's like the little, little hour counter. I think I've put 45 hours to it. Um, Flipping up. I play with it. Yeah, and that's about as long as I played Resident Evil Village for, but I beat that game like between six and eight times. I can I can wow. beat I can beat Village in two hours. Uh, nice, yeah. I remember I, you saying I, that. I, I can't I don't think anyone can beat four in two hours. The the speed run time I think was under six. Wow. Which I got hefty, hefty replays oh, to get God. the plat then. Yeah. Um like there's a couple of difficulties you've got to do on S plus rank, which is do it in under five and a half hours. Um yeah, it's rough for the last few. I've got Sounds I think I've rough. got I think I've got four trophies to go and then I'm done. Oh, um, well, don't forget to put a picture in the Slack for us when yeah. you do it, mate. <laughs> But yeah, it'll be a little while. It'll be a little while. Still, it still counts regardless of whether it's now or next year. Um, look forward to it, my dude. Look forward to it. Um, we have a latecomer, ladies and gentlemen, um, to the pod. Mr. York Dog is back in the house. How are we doing, York? Hello. Um, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. How's your bank holiday been? Uh, pretty busy, actually. Uh, the last three days oh, have damn. been extremely hectic. Um, so Friday I went into Chester with my girlfriend and my best friend. Um, so we were just like walking around. I ended up going into the games workshop there and looking at a bunch of Warhammer stuff and wishing I had more money. Um, <laughs> and my girlfriend's got a bunch of fudge, so she was really happy. Um, fudge and Warhammer, that's just the perfect date night, right? Exactly. Uh, then on Saturday, uh, there's a market which gets held in our town on the second Saturday of the month, each month. Okay. Um, so it's tons of like local market stalls and all sort 
all sorts. So we went to see that, which was, well, we go every month, we pick up a few bits and bobs, um, like pies and stuff, which is is pretty nice. Food. Yeah, there's quite a bit of good food on offer, which is always a plus. I'm a very food-driven person. <laughs> yeah, me too. I love me my too. food. Um, I picked up a little bit of fudge from myself there uh, because I preferred the fudge which was on offer there. Uh, so I bought myself one bar. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, what did I do on Sunday? Um, oh, went to see my girlfriend's family. So we went and had like a, a, a Sunday dinner, uh, which was nice. nice. Um and then, very nice. Yeah, it's it's been a, a good few days. Very hectic because I've been reviewing a game at the same time. So any time uh, I've been home, I've just been chunking hours. Yeah. Uh, Chomping away. That. Yeah, I've done 45 hours in since I got it. And I think it's been about six days. So wow. it's... And I'd still not really close to finishing it so <laughs> it's well, it's taken you a, are a machine my dude you're a machine you're cracking out those games they're like little i don't know like you're similar to sean in that respect like i'm so gobsmacked at how sean platinum's hogwarts legacy i just don't understand it i physically don't understand how he has gotten every single item in that game within like the first week of playing it i just i'd like to be a fly on the wall and see what he does because i'm sure he is giving the playstation speed like I just, who knows and uh, like it sounds like with you and sean you go into a vortex of time where time doesn't exist maybe you just have all these hours in the game he's using a time <laughs> dilation spell or something uh, and that's how he's getting away with it um, cheeky cheeky northerner <laughs> <laughs> we northerners have our magic um, yeah. uh, what is your game of the week dude yeah, uh, what is your game of the week, my dude? So That's, it's not I mean, the game. It might just be pies and market, but <laughs> <laughs> well, other than other than fudge and pies, uh, it's not the game I've been heavily playing for review. Um, my game of the week is a, a mod um, for an older game. So Total okay. War Rome Two, released in like 2011, 2012, I want to say, had a very rough launch overall, but. Over the years, it's been improved significantly. But there's a mod called Divide et Impera, which is Latin for something, and I have no idea why it is, um, which, which has been out for a few years and constantly gets updated and stuff. Um, it changes the game significantly. Add stuff like population mechanics you draw your troops from, so you only have a certain amount of population you can use, which adds like, additional pressure on the player to actually use their troops well instead of just recruiting nothing but the same unit uh, and then charging them into combat without actually using them properly. Um, it adds uh, supply lines, replenishment mechanics and all sorts. It changes the replenishment mechanics. It's a really good mod overall. Um, it's more historically accurate than Total War Rome 2 base game is. Um, so if you are into reading about events that happen in history, you get like a notification each turn and it just says like in this year this happened and so on so it's quite quite nice if you're a history buff and like the time period um and yeah i think that's gonna be my game of the week nice that sounds cool my dude that sounds wicked love a game that makes it educational as well yeah it's Um, always nice 
Yeah, and then to other people, you have to pretend that you read a book because for some people, when you say, like, I played it in a game, people like, look at you weird. Yeah. Like, I read this book. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, read, I read it on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, I read it. <laughs> um, nice one. Okay. Uh, well, now that we're all here and accounted for, um, let's do the quiz, shall we? Miles's chaotic quiz. That doesn't suit. We need, like, a Miles's manic monster much questions manic monster <laughs> oh god very nice <laughs> yes there is a quiz mastermind Ooh. there we go miles is manic mastermind i feel like Love mastermind's that. a bit too complimentary of it though <laughs> given how many fuck ups are <laughs> mastermind i don't know <laughs> <laughs> menial mind let's go with that <laughs> okay, okay. Well, as just to remind everybody, this is fastest finger first. Um, it's raising hands only. If you have an emoji, you will not be counted. First person to raise their hand in this quiz, obviously not in real life, because that would be strange. Um, <laughs> Miles will pick to do the answer. If you get it wrong, you are frozen out for that question um, until everybody else has answered, and then you can battle for a spiritual point. There are 10 questions usually, but sometimes Miles adds in a couple more. Who knows? Um, yeah, it varies. Yeah. Sometimes some have to get taken out because I've done them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All good fun. Are we ready? Are we ready? Yeah. Let's do yeah. this. Question number one. In the first season of Telltale's The Walking Dead, what is the full name of the main character you play as? God. Fucking... Excuse you? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's no hands yet. I know what the bloke's called. Yeah, is that not the name that you're looking for? Cat. Is that not is that who I'm looking for? The bloke, not the girl. It's the first season of The Walking Dead. It's who you play as in the first season. Okay, well that changes my answer then. Um is it Lee Everett? It is Lee Everett. Oh, well done. God, I was going to call it Clementine Everett. I was like, I was looking for, I was like, what the fuck is Clementine's last name? And I didn't know. And then when Josh said, that's who you're looking for, I was like, shit, I know who the bloke's called. <laughs> oh, damn, I can't believe I actually fucking got that. Yeah, nailed it. Well done. Nice one. Question number two Who does Cloud inherit the Buster Sword from in Final Fantasy? Oh my God, Tom. Uh, Zach. It is Zach indeed. And there is a bonus point if you can tell me who Zach inherited it from. Oh, fuck. <laughs> is the Buster Sword the big one? Yes. Oh, yeah, Josh, you have your hand up. Do you know who Zach inherited yeah. it from? Sephiroth? No, it's not from Sephiroth. Yeah. Anyone okay. else want to have a go? It is a tough question, this one, to be fair. Yog. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> Leroy! Buster Sword. <laughs> uh, no. Are we all done guessing? Yeah, I've, yeah. Not, I've not played Crisis Core. Uh, to be fair, if you haven't, then stuff. It is mm-hmm. Angeal that he inherits it from. I- I've not even played a Final oh, Fantasy yeah. game. Oh wow! Yeah, no, me neither. And Jill, my best pal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and Jill, my best should, buddy. Should have got that. So obvious. <laughs> Brother of Sora. Yes, in his dream, maybe. <laughs> uh, question number three: 
2005's Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith video game tie-in featured a second hidden ending where Anakin kills which two main characters? Josh. Um, is it uh, uh, what's his name? What's her name? Padme and um, Lando. No, um. it is not. Tom, you are next. Is it Obi-Wan and the Emperor? It is! Well done! I knew playing that game all those years ago would pay off. (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely was unsure if anyone would actually get this, so I'm very happy that you did. I was just going to guess Han Solo and Chewie. I was like, what two characters do I (laughs) know as a team? He he kills the Emperor to take over. Yeah, so he kills Obi-Wan by backstabbing him, and then he uh, just stabs the Emperor with his new lightsaber. It's a pretty cool secret ending, to be fair. Mm. That game's all right. Yeah, it was pretty good. Very underrated for what it was. Question number four. Atropos is the planet featured in which 2021 fast-paced third-person shooter? Josh. No, ignore me. Oh. Yeah. Oh, is it? Sorry, is it Returnal? It is. Well done. (laughs) You almost second-guessed yourself out of that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I was just like, oh, you said fast-paced. What the hell? Um, Yeah, but... (laughs) I mean, I considered it pretty fast paced. <laughs> yeah. uh, question number five. The world of Tashia is based off of which tiny island in the Pacific? Oh, Josh was the first. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, oh, does it have a new in front of it? No, it doesn't. Is it just Caledonia? I cannot confirm nor deny, but that is not correct. Oh. That. Because it's New Caledonia. It is indeed New Caledonia. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? That is savage. <laughs> That's oh, not right. This... I've got oh, both. I got both of them right. I, you, <laughs> just, you just lied to me. You just straight up lied to me. It to did. Just get yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Of course, I did. Why would I give you it? That sabotage. Did you hear the sarcasm in my voice? The lack of sportsmanship is on show. Well, you can <laughs> to be not fair, hear me I didn't for the rest think, of the quiz. I, to be fair, I, I feel kind of bad because you did help me with the Clementine one, with the Leavro one, but um, I thought you would hear the sarcasm in my voice and get it. I feel kind of like half bad. Can we give half a point to Josh? Can we do half points? You can sacrifice the whole point or no point. Fine, I'll sacrifice the whole point. He can have it. Okay. There you go, Josh. The score has been amended. <laughs> Yeah, that's, a, that's, you know, justice. <laughs> Take it back if you're going to be cocky. <laughs> I love this. Um, question number six. Finish this often heard quote from Grand Theft Auto 4. Cousin, let's go. Tom. Nico. No. Josh. Bowling. Yes, correct. Oh, I thought the pause was after cousin. Um, Question number seven In what year did the original Boulder's Gate release? Oh my god Yog 2001? No, it is not Way earlier Tom? 98 It is 98, well done Yeah. Oh Oh my god I was actually going to go a little bit lower than that That's, That's really impressive, fair play Yeah, great job uh, question number eight. Which EA published game series features characters including Morrigan, Cassandra, Iron Bull, and Varich? Yog. Dragon Age. It is yeah. indeed Dragon Age. Well done. <sighs> good good games. 
<laughs> well, right, to be fair. good game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, question number nine. Who voices the Joker in Batman Arkham Origins? Oh, Cat. fuck. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to say Mark Hamill, but I'd yeah. like, I didn't... I don't know if it is Origins. I just thought it, it isn't. Was in the video game. It, it isn't. He is the one for every other game, but not Origins. It's Tom's Troy got... Baker. Yeah. Yep. Thomas oh. next, and he's got it. It's Troy and Baker. He did really good. He did actually. It was a very good rendition. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I put my hand up before you said Origins, and I was like, eh, "Got this." <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> Have we learned yeah. nothing about listening to the whole question before we answer? I know. Yeah, Hubris. I know, I know, yeah. Hubris. <laughs> yeah. mm. <laughs> Alrighty. Question number ten. What is the name of the town that you can blow up via a nuclear warhead in Fallout 3? Josh. Is it Megaton? It is Megaton. Well Damn. done. <laughs> oh, that's tense. We now have a tiebreaker because Josh and Tom, you are both on four points apiece. Cat and Yog, you are both on one point apiece. So now I need a tiebreaker question. Die. <laughs> <laughs> is there a new and new Caldo? <laughs> That would be a great final deci decider one. Um, okay. I break a one if you haven't got one else. I can. Actually, oh. no, that's mean because, no, actually, it's mean. It's mean. Did, it's mean. did you say you do have one? <laughs> I did, but I, I know that Josh hasn't played the game, so it's mean. Not yeah. really fair. Okay. Mm. Come on, Yeah, go on, Kat. Go on. All right. Okay. You, you short, Josh? Yeah. Okay. All you right. Sure what is. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> it's a mystery. What is what is the cat called in Spirit Farrah? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got nothing. <laughs> Do we need another decider for the decider? <laughs> I've deliberately really not played decider? Spirit Farrah because I know it'll destroy me. Yeah, I thought uh, that, I, I got, but actually uh... it's not as bad. I started it today, Tom. To be fair, I thought it was going to destroy me too, but it's actually all right. I got a strategy game so question. Fun. What strategy game? <laughs> you could, you'll, you'll know the answer, Yog. But I've speaking for myself, I would not be able to get it. Um, I do have a question. The answer for the cat and spirit yeah. fairer is Antonio Banderas. <laughs> Antonio, Ant Cantonio Cat <laughs> <laughs> No, his name is Daffodil, which is such a cute cat name. That is a yeah, cute name. I was just going to go with what year did a game release and then the closest wins. Go for it. Yeah. I'm Go done. on then. Go on. In what year did Command and Conquer Generals release? Ooh. Oh my god. Oh, Tom's got his hand up first. 2003. Yep. All Correct. my days. <laughs> well, that's our winner. <laughs> Hot oh, damn. Well, it was manic, wasn't it? <laughs> that lived up to the usual <laughs> reputation. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal. Well, Tom, you are a winner with five points. Well done. And now I can leave again for four yeah. months. <laughs> <laughs> Come back in a few months' time and win another quiz. Yeah. Thank you so much, Miles. That was uh chaotic and manic as normal. Um yeah, um, loved that. So well done for your hard work. That was lots of fun. Nice to have um Tom back in the quiz as well. Um his knowledge is library book style so love that um right on to the news except it's not on to the news because i have a special message um because you're coming in late threw me off my original thing and i do have a special message from ross 
um, before we even go forward, Ross wanted to share his game of the week, and I'm a, a big twat, and I completely forgot because I was so sidetracked by your coming in. <laughs> I'm being like, "Yay, you're!" But I completely forgot. Um, so Ross wants to share a little message for those who don't follow Ross personally and just follow the main account, or um, who who don't know. Um, Ross's dad sadly passed away in the last couple of weeks, and that's why he is not currently on the podcast because um, he's away dealing with that, and we're supporting him as much as we can and as best we can. Um, he might be back. He wants to be back very very soon. He is. He's saying that he'll definitely probably try and come back for 200 and we hope he does. Um, but if he's not, then, um, you know, he'll be in spirit and uh, we wish him all the best. Um, but he has said something that he wanted all of us to know because it's been a hot topic. And I'll just read out. And uh, yeah. So he says, well, hi, everyone. Just wanted to sneak in and say hello and a huge thank you to the team for being so supportive and awesome while I work for this difficult time. It really means the world. I wanted to sneak in game of the week, which is my bad because I got too excited and moved on. <laughs> and whilst I could talk for hours about the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Hedgehog, uh, a murder mystery that's free to play on Steam and absolutely rocks, I should probably address the fact that I've been playing Crime Boss Rocky City in my downtime. Whilst it's been a great distraction from, well, everything, unfortunately, what we all suspected about it was true. It's just a bit shit. Yes, we all suspected this this was going in. My glass half full energy needed something. Anything redeemable, and unfortunately, there just isn't anything here to recommend. The voice acting from the stacked cast is laughable, but the story is dreadful. Vanilla Ice remains an utter prick, and the mechanics are a joke. I could go on forever, but my review is up on the site if you'd like an in-depth dive into the nonsense that is Rocky City. One more thing. The Mario Brothers movie is the biggest animated movie opening ever. Suck it, your dog. Um, I'll hopefully be back next week. If not, then definitely for 200. Much love, Roscoe. Oh, we love you, dude. We miss you. And that's just a little message from Ross. Uh, and part, partially directed straight to Yog about the Mario Super Brothers movie. You, you know, I do Yogg, miss you, Ross. Response? Yeah, I, I do miss you, Ross. And I, you know, like, my heart goes out to you with everything recently. However, with you saying that, <laughs> this means war. <laughs> Very nice. Um, yeah, so uh, in, now we go back to the actual news um, <laughs> rather than um, me just jumping all over the place like an absolute twat. Um, Sony is rumoured to be making a PlayStation Portable again. Now, as I've hit up this little title, the rumour has actually developed. Um, so initially, the rumour was that it was going to be like a Switch or it was going to be like a Steam Deck alternative. And now, apparently, the rumour mill has been buzzing um, that this is actually something that is only for PlayStation 5 console owners. So we might remember that back in 2017, Sony said that it saw no reason to develop another handheld console, given the dominance of smartphones. So it's a bit weird that they might change their mind on that. Um, but apparently this is just going to be an accessory for PlayStation 5 owners. The code name is um, Q Project Q Lite, and it's supposed to be more of an accessory um, for playing the same games outside of the home instead of running games like Steam Deck. Um, yeah, so that was, I was reading from TechSpot there, a couple of outlets have reported the rumour mill on this. Um, people are saying that it probably is going to be quite a high price point and there's probably no point to that considering you can do a lot of stuff cloud shared on your phone. Um, there's a cute little mock-up 
um, picture, <laughs> which has like the the PlayStation controller either side of of a screen. Um, Miles, are you disappointed that this might just be an accessory, um, or were you just not feeling a PlayStation Portable at all? I'm disappointed in the accessory part of it. I think if it was a proper handheld portable device that was independent and would have its own kind of like, even if it was the PS5 game library and you could just like switch it over or whatever, I would be more inclined to buy and play that than I would having it where it just cloud or not cloud, remote plays through your PlayStation 5. It just feels, I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't feel particularly worthwhile. And especially given that the pricing is likely to be relatively high, it's not something that I'm looking forward to. Um, I had a PSP back in the day and I absolutely love the PlayStation Portable. I thought as much as it was a bit of a mess to control things with, there were some really good games on it, um, whether it be like Pursuit Force or uh, Peace Walker or Portable Ops or whatever. You know, there were some excellent games that came out via that system. And I know that the Vita never really kind of took off like they wanted it to. But I think there is a bit more of a market for it now. I think people very much like having options on the go. And I don't think it would sell huge, but I think it would sell more than enough to justify it existing. Um, so, yeah, I'm disappointed with the way it's being implemented. Um, I'm sure this will be great for some people who are on the go a lot or travel a lot and whatnot. Um, but I don't like the fact that you have to connect it and play it through your PS5. I think there's like a trust issue mm. for me about leaving my PS5 on or having it on when I'm not actually in the house for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> you do have beef about that. <laughs> I do. I really, really do. I don't like leaving yeah. things on when I leave the house. I like to know that my house is like dormant. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like my thing about it. But yeah, I think the way they're doing it, if this is going to be true, isn't the right way of going about it. And I don't think this will be particularly uh, sought after per se. Yeah, it'd be interesting to get Ross's view on this because Ross does play the PlayStation through his phone quite a lot of work um, when he's kind of having downtime. You know, it'd be interesting to know if this would be something for him. I'm sure we can ask him when he comes back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed myself. I I don't know. I think it'd be quite nice to have had like a PlayStation port, but I don't know if I'd have invested hundreds of pounds into it, but I might have got one secondhand. I remember, you know, when I used to do a lot of, now that I drive a lot everywhere, I don't see it being used very much. I don't really use my Switch all that often unless I'm reviewing games. Um, yeah, Josh, what do you think about this news? Would this be, I know that you're an avid Switch player, is this something that, that you would um, invest in if, if it came out? Could this be uh, alternative um... stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I See, I'm not too sure what like uh, the angle is for it when... People have got mobile phones that can pretty much do what this is trying to do. Um, and then you can have like, say, a, a backbone, uh, like which is like the device that you can like pretty much just, it'll be the left and right analog stick just plonked onto your phone. And you can play through that through remote play in the same, in pretty much the exact same way that it's like pitching here. Um, obviously there's like a lot less of uh uh, an interface that is outwards of um, kind of like the proprietary system in the PlayStation. So you're not going to have all your mobile phone apps and things buzzing whilst you're playing it. Um, but I still don't kind of see an avenue where it's useful, especially as it's um, something that needs to constantly be connected through Wi-Fi. Um, so I, I think maybe like a situation where you're, want to hang out in your garden and play some playstation um 
<laughs> I think it kind of it will go down on a yes or no on like if it's good or bad and is, is will be the price point. Um, I think if if it's anything to go by on the PSVR two side of things, it will be overpriced. But if they are marketing it as like a cheap alternative to handheld gameplay that they're trying to get back into maybe um then yeah it it could be a decent could be a decent addition um i mean it's things like uh the dual sense pro and before that on the playstation they had their own sort of first party um back button adapter like they whilst the controller for the dual sense uh, pro is quite expensive um, it makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. Um, their controllers uh, themselves don't have a massive shelf life, in my opinion, uh, in terms of how they how they uh, you know work after like say six months. Um, but the DualSense Pro spending a little bit extra and having the op- the opportunity to um, adapt, change the triggers for you know not too much. Um, yeah, and with this PSP handheld, like where, where could that fit in the market alongside stuff like that? Um, is this going to be something that is uh, in the long run an inexpensive alternative as opposed to an overpriced um, gadget? Yeah, I knew you'd had, I knew you'd have an opinion because I know that your controllers have not had very good have not had a very good lifespan with you for some reason um and yeah i think i think you make a good point about the wife <laughs> like we have like one week of summer and really the glare is just going to be too much in the garden so <laughs> what, are we, yeah. what are we thinking I, I think it made more sense to make it like a steam deck than it does to make it an accessory I don't know why, but it's like they, if yeah. they're saying, you know, I mean, we are just, this is pinch of salt, guys, you know, this is just rumors. But, um, you know, when they were saying we, we see no reason for the smartphones, because uh, so, no reason for a handheld because of the smartphones, to then make it an accessory that is essentially the smartphone is either just, I don't know, is going back on your word or just an absolute cash grab because it would be hundreds of pounds for what your phone can do. Um, interesting interesting tom would this be something that excites you if it was a gaming accessory or would it have excited you to have the psp or do you think it's absolute bullshit this fucking sucks (laughs) (laughs) um like a vita 2 would have been cool (laughs) like the vita was great it underperformed because sony decided to make proprietary memory and that was ludicrously expensive i think it was like something like 60 quid or something for like 32 gigs of memory. And that was like a handful of games. That's what killed the Vita. They just didn't want to say that. Um, This solves a problem that doesn't exist. I'm I'm on the Forbes article that you linked in the Slack. Um, It requires a PlayStation 5 because it doesn't cloud stream. It streams from your console. Anybody that's got a PlayStation 5 has a smartphone. And can cloud stream. <laughs> right. I, I can go on on buy and buy a phone mount for my DualSense for $7.99. And it does this. 
yeah. <laughs> like what was i don't understand the point it doesn't seem to yeah have have a reason to exist other than like another thing for sony to sell but like, who's buying this like people didn't buy into stadia and stadia's dead but right. that that was at least that at least solved some sort of problem because you didn't require a super expensive pc it cloud streamed it from like a virtual system that had good specs this just takes your gameplay on your ps5 and just puts it on a little eight inch screen in your hands like phones aren't quite as big as eight inches so it's good you've got a little bit more screen real estate my phone is like six and a half inches um Mm. that's fine like but i can play i can do what this would do on my phone but my phone is also a phone (laughs) and a computer and it can do things if this is literally just a dual sense with your adaptive triggers and your haptic feedback so don't know if that works with your dual sense over um the remote streaming i'm not sure if that factors in so if you really need your adaptive triggers and your haptic feedback then okay that's kind of a problem solved but that's also something they could probably just do in a firmware update yeah this this i i i I don't get it at all. <laughs> like uh, when mm. this when when it first was reported and people thought it was like an actual handheld, it was like, oh cool, they're doing that again. They're gonna give it another shot. Like Yeah, that's what I thought it was. I thought, yeah, that makes sense with like, the Switch Pro potentially coming the, in a couple of the, years and the, the PSP Steam Deck was great. being announced. PSP was great, Vita was great, but floundered due to poor support. Mm. This is gonna come out. And like, I I don't know why anyone would buy it. It doesn't replace a PlayStation Five. You still need one. So, why? It's it's the most like just bizarre idea that they could have come out with. Um, yeah, it doesn't solve any problems really that matter. It's it's just probably an expensive uh, remote play machine because yeah. Josh was talking about the I think it's called oh, I don't remember what they called their pro controller but that thing's two hundred quid <laughs> uh, yeah. and I'm sure it's like a really robust good controller uh, but its battery life is shit it's like the same as the regular Dual Sense which is already like pretty poor battery life when you put up stuff like the Switch Pro controller, which you can get like 20 hours out of. Um, it's doing a bit more, but not much. Um, yeah. For sure. And and they, like, they're trying to sell you the little uh, analog stick replacements for 20 quid when they go bust because they know analog sticks fail all the time. It, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, all of this stuff seems just really weird. All of their pricing as well has been weird recently. This thing's probably come out gonna come out and be like 150 quid. And it's mm-hmm. and it's gonna die in a year. <laughs> like <laughs> um, they'll make the first batch and that'll be it. Because apparently the apparently the VR is also not 
doing great. Apparently, it underperformed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like people are also stretched thin for cash. Like absolutely, we haven't a, got four hundred pounds financial to spend. crisis. Yeah, I can't just drop. What's it like? Four fifty, five fifty for the VR. This will probably be a hundred plus. Like, yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's filling a gap that doesn't exist in the market. For sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, Yog, where are you with portables? Do you does the Steam Deck interest you? Is it something that, or for you, is this just shit? Um, I had a Vita, and uh, I really enjoyed the Vita. Yeah. But like Tom said, storage was super expensive for it, which really didn't help. And mm. uh, there just wasn't enough support from either first or third parties in terms of games coming out for it. There were a few mm. titles. Um, there was an Uncharted one uh, in particular, uh, I remember Zipper Interactive, their last game they did, Unit 13, I think it was. So there were a few uh, first-party games which were good, but overall, the publishers and developers just didn't release enough for it. And that lack of uh, catalogue for the game, uh, for the system, really did kill it as well. Uh, I'd argue that's probably the yeah. more killing thing than the, the storage solution was. And my problem with Sony is if something doesn't um, completely succeed straight out of the box, they have a habit of abandoning devices. I For suspect sure. that would probably happen with this as well. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely agree with Tom, but I don't think there's going to be too many people in for this. If it was its own standalone system, there's a a good enough market there now. You've got the Steam Deck, uh, you've got the Switch, but you've also got uh, other developers like Neo. Well, I is the company, Neo is the system we make. There there is a, a growing market segment for these premium machines, which are even um even stronger than like the Steam Deck is. And people are paying like two grand for them. Um, uh, one to two grand. Um, that's crazy. So, yeah, it gets a bit nuts. But th- there's definitely an appetite in the market for for a standalone portable machine. I, yeah. This, I just can't see succeeding. I, I, I'm sure there will be people who buy it but not enough for it to be continued in terms of like development or anything. Yeah, or supported, just like the Vita was dropped as well. Mm. Mm. So yeah. it'll, be, it'll be an interesting gimmick, but not much more than that. And speaking of gimmicks, what we found, I think Tom's got a good point about the pricing of, of Sony stuff kind of just being a bit strange in the last couple of years. We've spoken on many times in the pod about how Sony have definitely kind of veered towards a very businessy type model where they kind of are steering away from listening to the community. They're kind of just doing their own thing. They're making very odd decisions. Um, and this sounds like it might be another odd one. Who knows? It, I think Sony are turning into that type of monopoly where there are hardcore, dedicated fans out there that they could release 
I don't know, a piece of broken controller and people would buy it to say that they have it. It's it's one of those things of it's like Apple. You know, people always line up to buy the, the next biggest iPhone. And I wonder if this is partly that as well or kind of feeding into that. Um, we'll see. Like I said, it's Pinch of Salt. All the articles have said Pinch of Salt. Um, obviously, when the articles first came out, it was a, a competitor with Steam and Switch. Um, and now it's essentially an accessory that kind of already exists. So who knows? We may never see it. And if we do see it, maybe it won't be for a couple of years. Um, so that's that. Uh, speaking of Sony, they have, however, and this is not a rumour, they have patented an application to publish a controller that can change temperature during gameplay. So this is simply named controller, the patent. <laughs> um, and essentially what they're saying is um, it can be a silicone gel based material um, that would be connected to a circuit that processes information. So if you were to go into a hot area or a cold area, your controller in certain parts would get hotter or colder. So if you're entering the colder areas of God of War, your hands would feel very cold. If you are entering, um, you know, hell or you're entering the volcanic fire one, I can't remember what they're called. Um, not Hellheim, the other one. But um, then you would, you know, your controller would feel very hot. Um, it's very, very cool in, um, very, very cool in theory. Um, it's not completely confirmed that it's going to happen. Of course, the patent has just been um, applied for. Um, we know that with patents, it can take years and years and years. Um, there's a couple of figures of what this might look like as well. So where you hold your controller, that's there'll be like kind of like rubber pads on there that would get hotter or colder. And I'm imagining that you'd be able to turn this off and on, um, you know, to kind of adhere to accessibility and things like that. Miles, what do you think of this? Cool. Is it adding that extra kind of, you know, we always talk about smell of vision. Is it adding feel of vision for you in games? Um, <laughs> it feels a bit like an unnecessary gimmick to me, but I also did think similarly about the haptic feedback. And in some games, I actually very much enjoy the haptics. Um, mm -hmm. I think like haptics, it's a feature which would be quite annoying or frustrating or unnecessary in some games. Like for example, with FIFA, I always turn the haptics off because it's just it just makes my finger hurt from having to hold the uh, the button, the sprint button down for so long. Um, I think also they'd have to be quite careful in terms of like how hot and cold is this controller actually going to get? Because if it's like such a mild effect that you don't know to sit, what's the point? You're just adding an expense in terms of all the um, the technology that you need to make that happen for no real gain or benefit. So I'd query these controllers are already quite expensive. I would rather have one that doesn't do that, that doesn't raise the price, than have one that does do it and raises the price more substantially than it already is. Um, and I think also it's just, uh, I don't know, I just don't see how immersive it is that just my hands are getting warmed up or cooled down. It just seems a bit of an odd feature. I don't think this one will turn into an actual um, physical thing, because like I said, I think the technology they would have to add to the controller to make that happen Um would increase the price of it which for a lot of people probably wouldn't be worth you know the change that it's making um so i'd be surprised if this did actually happen but equally the sony don't tend to miss with these kind of um little changes that do add to the immersion like the haptics so i think if they did do it i'd hope that they do it properly like they've done everything else um yeah it doesn't particularly excite me but i also don't especially care too much either it just seems like an unnecessary little change um 
but I guess it's rounding out the portfolio if they want the most immersive experience possible and this is moving towards it. And I imagine something like Horizon, it would probably work quite nicely in like certain areas of the game. So yeah, I think it could have some benefit, but I'm not especially bothered myself. I think it's a bit pointless. Yeah, I'm tending to agree with you. I think that all I can see this happening for is like, you know, like how um, Astrobot has just like, it uses the controller to like the absolute maximum. Yeah. Um, and it feels like this would have like four games that this works really, really well with. <laughs> and the rest of the games probably wouldn't add, add it in or if they did, it wouldn't until be like a later patch. Um and then people would be bored of it. And so most people will probably have it turned off. Or it would fuck up and it would just be randomly hot and cold. All the or time. just overheats the controller right. and breaks it. <laughs> probably. And it's it, or it makes a really loud noise, or it's like like does like a little it's warming up noise, or it's like really hot for no reason. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Is that fun? Is it fun, Josh? Is that fun? I mean, wait and see, I think, with the feature, like um, like Miles said, is it necessary? No. Are they going to do it? Probably. Um, I obviously I had my doubts the feedback, the haptic feedback as well. Not not so much the feedback because uh, I think Switch kind of with their rumble, they've kind of they kind of changed the game, um, which they've underutilized since um, kind of the launch titles. But um, yeah, the adaptive triggers I've turned off as well. Um, but I just I could just can't imagine that it would work well for the controller. It might give it a, an even shorter lifespan for some of myself who's uh, now on record as going through controllers uh, very quickly. Um, just to say, I'm not like smashing them, chucking them, or anything like that. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. You're just having a real hard time of it, aren't you? It's just the dead well, by daylight effects. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the biggest, the, the best example is probably Rollerdrome. Um, having the adaptive triggers on that and kind of using the aim and slow motion as well as kind of getting the best score possible. I absolutely demolished my left analog, my left, uh, my L2, I'll say. Um, uh, to the point where now it was like the loosest thing ever. Like even if I just placed my finger on it, um, it would you it would like recognize it as a touch. Um, so to turn that controller then hot and cold, there's only a few instances with the haptic feedback. Not is it that yeah the haptic feedback where um, I've been like uh, it's felt relevant. I guess I'll say. Um, like maybe Returnal's uh, Rainfall, like you feeling every droplet and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. But, you know, um, obviously we're using our, our hands, we're using our hands with our controllers, you know, if we can. Um, and through that, we are getting feelings of things that aren't being felt by our hands. Does that make sense to anyone? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know what you're saying. Like some of the game's uh, feedback is for other elements of the body. Like stepping or... in snow. Yeah, stuff like yeah. that. It's like, well, my hands aren't stepping in snow. Um... <laughs> yeah, that's what you mean. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if a hot and cold feature would kind of maybe elevate it to some degree because your hands do feel hot or cold if you're using them. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I reckon it's a long way out. Uh, it might even be something closer towards um, PSVR stuff, you know, um, to be more of like a, a 4D experience than the kind of already VR 3D 
experience. It's not a bad shout, you know, putting them in the VR controllers first because your palms yeah. wrap around them. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it kind of feels more, it will feel more immersive, I think. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, Tom, would this be something that you invested in if this happened? I've, I've got a feeling if it did happen, they'd just put it in a new regular controller. Like, they'd just replace the DualSense. Oh, it's with 170 like, pounds. No, they'd just, instead of having, like, your regular DualSense, it'd just be a new feature in the new regular DualSense. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine this is going to be just, like, they'll just release a controller that's, like, it does this too, and we also have the regular one. This will just be like they'll roll this into a new model. They'll of, roll it in, and then they'll put sense. the price up of this one, and be like, "That's our normal price now because it includes the temperature thing." Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going all in in haptics, and I still use the adaptive triggers every now and again. I kind of like it. Uh, some games, it's a bit too like tight, and it does. I get like sort of finger strain um, occasionally, but. Like first time through a game, I'll play it with the adaptive triggers, and like, I did Resident Evil Four, and then on later playthroughs where I need to like play a little bit faster, I'll turn it off. Um, but yeah, this seems like if they did it at all, which they might not even, it might just it, patents can just be there so they have them. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, if this happens, they'll roll it in, and it'll be. I probably wouldn't use it because I'd be, like my hands getting hot and cold would be really annoying. Um, like I don't want to like get like I don't know sweaty hands from this. Like, yeah, ha- no, I know. Like I can't I imagine. Ha- I can't imagine it would get very like a lot warmer. It'd probably be enough that you'd notice it. But that just like I think that's like a bridge too far for me. At least I'd be like I'm just not going to use this. Mm-hmm. Plus, like how quick can it go from normal to hot back to normal then down to cold? Like yeah. But yeah, that was what I was going to take a like... little bit of time. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just seems it seems like they're just again going more into haptics, and this will just be something that gets potentially rolled out in the future, and it'll just be there. And you turn it on on or off if 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 that's all it is, whatever, right? Like, sure, go for it. At least huh. at least that's something neat. And it's not just here's a remote play machine. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yog, when there's a patent for something, it normally means that other outlets, other kind of uh, companies will start kind of, I guess, copying or or um, doing similar ideas. As our resident kind of PC gamer, is this something that, that you would you would like in gaming uh, to be able to kind of have that extra level of immersion? Not really. To me, it just seems like the controller might just be uncomfy for people to use. Yeah. Um, I guess if there's an on-off option for it, that'd be good. But at, that, at the same point, like, why have it then? Um, I, it just seems like a huge gimmick to me. And I don't think I can see it actually being implemented i think it's just going to be because mm. patterns get made all the time all sorts of crazy stuff and a lot of them never get off the ground and i think that'll be uh the case for this okay. one fair enough fair enough well there we have it we'll have to watch this space for hot and cold 
you know, <laughs> maybe when we're playing Overcooked, our controller will get naturally hotter. Um, but that might just be our sweaty hands as we're shouting at our co-workers. <laughs> get out of the plates! Get the washing up! Oh, no, it's not the haptic feedback. It's just you being a mental person. Anyway, what is next? Oh, Resident Evil 4 has now added microtransactions to upgrade weapons quicker. Um, I'm going to go straight to Tom on this one because as our at the moment expert on Resident Evil 4, I want to see what, what his ideas are um, of this. Right. So, <laughs> okay, let me just... <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know, Capcom have added microtransactions to the Resident Evil 4 remake, enabling players to pay extra to upgrade their weapons quicker. This is from the free Mercenaries mode DLC that has been added to the game, and they're called Exclusive Upgrade Tickets. They apparently allow you to kind of go gun enthusiast, knife collecting, any kind of weapons of all kinds that can be redeemed at the merchant shop. How are we feeling about this? Were we mad? Were we are we okay with it? Do we not care? There's going to be a lot of people who are very angry about this. Uh, this needs a little bit of mechanical uh, like explanation on the system. Right, go for it. So throughout the game, you can upgrade your weapons. Each weapon has, I think, three uh, different attributes. It's three or four attributes that you can upgrade. Um, for the first half of the game, you can level each stat up like three times, and it'll give you faster reload speed, more damage, uh, better accuracy, that sort of type of thing, or like more durability for your knife so it doesn't break as often. Sure. Um, once you upgrade all of those stats to five, um, you fully upgrade it, you unlock one final upgrade, um, which is either like... In the case of one of the knives, it's, it never breaks, and that's a game-changer. Um, or it's have double the ammo capacity or higher damage, like but by a greater degree. And you'll unlock these towards the end of the game anyway, but they'll carry over for New Game Plus. These tickets already exist in the game. These are not a new... Thing that are microtransactions only. Um, there is in the in the remake, they've basically added side quests that you do for the merchant, and he rewards you with spinels, little dime, little little, little crystals, um, and those are an exclusive currency you can use at his shop for exclusive items. Uh, Thirty of those spinels will get you one of these tickets. So you can get these in game. What the ticket does is it is it gives you the weapon's final upgrade, but you don't have to have leveled it up all the way. It just unlocks it immediately. Like this, this is um this this microtransaction shit. I don't love it. What it is, it's a time-saving thing, right? Like um I, I'm in a position where I have a lot of free time because I don't work due to health reasons. Resident Evil 4 is a pretty big game. If there's like one or two guns you really like, but you don't have the time to like do multiple playthroughs to fully level this up or to grind out spinels mm -hmm. to get these in-game, fine. Like 
buy one or two that like 250 sure whatever like you can you can buy enough of these tickets on the mic i'm on them on the vgc article for now you can buy all, all of the tickets there are 23 weapons in the game you can buy with real money for like 46 pounds one of these tickets for every gun in the game i don't think anyone's doing that that that's like crazy. Maybe someone is. Maybe, maybe one person will do. Maybe <laughs> if someone if someone has more money than sense and really loves Resident Evil Four, <laughs> maybe they'll do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you can earn these in game already, so it's not like quite so scummy. Sure. <laughs> do you think though that so there's a lot of games out there that that do add the grind? Um, oh. God, you know, yeah. and also as well, like Resi Evil Four has already added the grind. It's making you play through it six times just to get the platinum. Do you feel like this was a little bit like fickle in a sense of like, oh, okay, I, well, you know, we'll make you play it six times, but we're going to make you also be tempted to spend real money. So they're saying that you know it costs a couple of quid, two dollars, like three dollars, seven dollars, or ten dollars, which you know roughly equates to two pound, five pound, mm. and I guess eight pound um, for multi packs. So if they were already in the game they just take to we're taking they, they, they take longer. they take time rather than money yeah, yeah. It's, it's do you pro- think that it was nonsensical then because like you know you already played the game six times so is it kind of rude for, is it for, kind of cheeky for, for those well no because the people that have played this game six times will have earned these in game already <laughs> yes um yeah i guess th- so. this is for people look resident evil games have always been games people play multiple times absolutely yeah. like they speed run so, them they normally can be yeah. done in two hours yeah. yeah resident evil 4 is kind of the outlier is the long one um this is for like a very very small subset of people that are like i just i can't be bothered um there is there Me. is yeah there is a strategy for getting a getting a specific rank which unlocks cat ears for leon um, which give you unlimited ammo. And there's a strategy to doing that that does require one of these tickets for a specific weapon with limited ammo. That is the only situation where I can see someone who's like playing multiple times just going, I'm not going to grind out one playthrough just to earn this. I'll just pay the 250 Um Yeah, for sure. So yeah, they're, they're like this was obviously always in the works that this is like this is like what um activision used to do where they'll release the microtransactions after the reviews have come out and the game got fucking like glowing reviews it's Mm -hmm. exceptionally good it's it's probably the best resident evil game ever made which was what four was to a lot of people already anyway Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's my favorite but it is the best i think village might still be my favorite but that's beside the point. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this is like Capcom, they've put microtransactions in older RE games too. And they were similar, like skip the grind type things. Um oh, I don't feel great about it. Like, but I if someone's buying all of them, then yeah just play the game right like yeah you can earn the ones in game for the guns you want mm-hmm. uh, all it does is it gets you the upgrade for free as opposed to dropping a 
a shit ton of the currents, the regular currency that you can also grind for. Um, yeah. Is a grind killer as opposed to a sort of, I don't know. It doesn't feel malicious because the get the it doesn't feel like a grind when you play in it anyway. All of this stuff, mm. stuff you're sort of earning all the time anyway. They're not stingy with it. Some enemies drop the spinels as well. It's it's rare, but they can do it. For sure. Um, so yeah, it doesn't feel yeah. totally gross, but Okay. Yeah, it's but it, it could is be. It, it could be gross, it, it, but it's it, not it, feeling it. It could be grosser. <laughs> It could it, be grosser. I yeah, could it could, this could be worse. It's <laughs> it's whatever. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> Fine, you'll suck it up. Like, yeah, like <laughs> make your money, Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Miles, you quite normally about microtransactions obviously as well but i think there's a difference between the type of description that tom's doing uh compared to those kind of games that are like locked behind loot boxes or paywalls to be able to actually progress further um how are you feeling about this do you feel like it's what whatever or are you kind of feeling like this is the beginning of something that might take off what's your thoughts yeah, I don't, I don't like microtransactions in general. Um, I think it's a practice that abused a lot by companies to just, yeah, just basically take people's money as much as they possibly can. And I do consider a lot of them very akin to like the gambling systems of how they target people. Um, I think in this case, they're not game changing in a sense. So if this is a single player game, it's your game. <clears throat> if you want to spend a bit of money to speed up, how quickly you can get through certain content then i'm not completely opposed to that um because there are people who work or who just don't have a lot of time for you know being able to do multiple runs of a game they just don't have that much time like they work ridiculously long hours or they just don't have the capacity or whatever it might be and for them this might be a really valuable way to get quite overpowered quite quickly so they can just have a bit of fun doing like a, a speed run you know with everything unlocked um I think with Capcom, I don't mind it quite as much because the games they put out are of high quality and they are on a run of a lot of very good games and they do it the right way. Um, I think I find it more egregious with companies who put out shit games and then also shovel them with microtransactions or in the case of like, for example, Ubisoft, where they release the same game over and over and shovel in dozens of different types of microtransactions all with the benefit of we've made our game super grindy on purpose to bore you so that you will buy these, give us money so that you can skip your way through the boring stuff. And my query is always why they're kind of time savers when we're playing a video game. Surely you're just admitting that your content is shit and you've made it that way on purpose so that we can skip it through this paid system. Um, so I think in this case, it's not as bad as some others. I don't hate this um and the fact that you can earn everything in game anyway means that you don't have to buy these you can just completely ignore them um and i think that's about as happy a middle ground or a balance as we're going to get in the current industry um i still think they're very unnecessary i feel like you know back in the ps2 maybe even ps3 era these kind of things didn't exist but it's the kind of world that we live in now that these companies are doing everything they can to make as much money as they can out of a game and given that Resident Evil 4, it also isn't a full-priced release in terms of £70. I'm also less frustrated with it. So I think it's always like a case-by-case case of 
what is the context of this game? What is the purpose of these microtransactions? Um, and I think in this case, it's a bit more forgivable than other titles, certainly. Um, and compared to companies like EA or Ubisoft, they're nothing. So yeah, these ones I don't mind as much. I'm okay with them as much as I won't buy them myself. Fair enough. Um, Josh, big Resi fan. Um, I know that you have been desperate to play this. What are your thoughts on um, adding microtransactions? Is it something that you'll do to kind of like cut down your time? Because I know you're a bit, bit of a platinum go-getter. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, like, I think Miles hit on a, a massive point there. Like, if you're if you're selling time savers, there's a problem with the length of your game. Uh, like you've chosen by design to make it longer for people to ha- feel the need to buy them, um, uh-huh. which in a lot of ways is worse than kind of just having added content that is worth, you know, that costs money. Um, I think they did it with DMC5 as well. Um, it's just unnecessary. It's just putting grind out in a game for grind's sake as opposed to... Uh, making it a fun pace from beginning to end because people are buying your game at the at the door do you know what i mean it's not a free game so the money's made and they sold over four million copies they've just boasted whilst releasing this at the same time um uh yeah it's just it's just shady practices and it's just a shame that They'll do it after a review cycle. So all the publications have put their reviews out saying how glowing it is. Some people would have been more critical on this approach and that would have probably not found scores. Um, So, yeah, it's just bad optics. It's bad timing um, and it's unnecessary, I think. For sure, for sure. Um, Yeah, that's a good point that Miles made actually about like you kind of suggesting that your game that you made is longer, too long. Uh, but I guess this is a remake after all, so maybe it was a reflection point. Um, yeah, I don't know how it would probably go down if it was a brand new game. Um, you're, you're a strategy head, and, and this is quite common in strategy games to have microtransactions um, in the genre. Where do you stand with that? I absolutely hate them. Um, mm. They've increasingly become prevalent in some games I've been playing recently. Um a great word, prevalent. Uh, Blood Bowl 3 and Company of Heroes 3 specifically the two games I reviewed and it just feels like literally every single game is uh, increasingly becoming beholden to if the consumer is possible and there are some games that do microtransactions better than others but as a whole, I feel it's a practice which is just, uh, it's annoying to say the least. And for some people, it can literally ruin their their financial standing. Uh, like loot boxes, uh, are just basically gambling in many ways. There's plenty of stories of people buying FIFA uh, ultimate team packs and bankrupting themselves and yeah absolutely yeah uh, i'm just tired of it and yeah maybe this one isn't the most predatory practice uh in resident evil 4 although i do uh i think the 
the point raised that they actually only added this after the review cycle is a really good one. And that really casts a little bit of an aspersion onto it for me. But overall, um, yeah, it's not the most predatory one, but it's still microtransactions. And I hate how even now single player games with well-crafted experiences are now getting microtransactions added in as well. And I feel like it's a practice which 10 years ago I might be like, you know, it's fine. It's it's just one game. and But it's becoming more commonplace in every game. I'm not saying every single game out there has microtransactions yet, but there's a big trend towards them starting to incorporate them. And I, I don't like it. And I think that overall it's quite a predatory practice. You got fear of missing out if you've got like daily deal or weekly deals or so on. Oh, what if I don't buy this? Am I going to miss out? Well, I'll be able to buy it again. So people buy them, and I feel like practices such as that, such as that within the uh, microtransactions, is predatory. I just can't get behind it. Not anymore. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Um, Gam care are starting to recognise even more so in the last couple of years. Uh, the increase of online game gambling, uh, which is exactly what you have pointed out, is that there is going to be a real rise in young adults, teenagers, even kind of older adults um, gambling. This is essentially a form of gambling, that FOMO that you're talking about, that kind of fear of missing out. Okay, well, what about a weekly deal? What about a daily deal? Okay, well, what, you know, Candy Crush. Um, that addictive loop that you find yourself in where you're like, oh, I've run out of lives. Ah, oh, it's only $4.99 and I get unlimited lives for 24 hours. Um, or, you know, only $4.99 and I get 10 more lives. You know, you're gambling those lives with money. Um, yeah. You know, hoping that you'll get as far as you possibly want. You know, that's gambling. You're winning, I mean, the, you're getting that. The like, big <laughs> problem for me is that it increasingly games that are, even if they're not, outright for kids but some of the marketing is definitely targeted towards kids absolutely, absolutely. often have these microtransaction system in we've we have been a bit harsh on resident evil 4 in particular here because uh, like yeah. maybe it's this not doesn't worst. completely apply to to <laughs> resident yeah. evil but it probably applies to the the idea of microtransactions in gaming yeah, I, I feel like microtransactions are just a plague upon gaming. They might be good for like people with shares in the company and so on, and uh, who stands to make money out of it. But for consumers, they're just a blight upon gaming. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, watch this space. Who knows? I mean, like we said, it could be grosser. It could be grosser. Um, and there's lots of really good points that were made there about Resi Evil. Um, it's still a great game, though, apparently. You know, there's lots of 10 out of 10s that's done very, very well. Um, I wonder if there will be any amendments to the reviews. I mean, I don't think many review sites have many reviews once they've been posted, but I think this will maybe cause a little bit of a star um, going forward. Um, and, you know, what is this to say for the future of Resident Evil remakes, if there are any more to come? Um that's it, ladies and gentlemen. We've just got our recommendations left. Um, so I did everyone, didn't I? I did. I, Josh, I have to. Yeah, I definitely. I've just. I was like, did I just leave out Josh there? I didn't leave out Josh. Don't mind me. I think I'm coming down with a cold because I am being a funny. 
Um, Miles, what is your recommendation this week, sir? Uh, mine is a book. Um, I recently read the prequel book for Bioshock, and it was quite good. It kind of shows like the history of Andrew Ryan kind of founding the city and whatever else. And then at the same time, I was when I kind of bought it, I was recommended a philosophy in Bioshock book. It's like a series that they do where it's a bunch of ph- philosophers. And they write like a book about a specific topic, like movie or kind of character or game. Um, And they've done one for Bioshock. And it's all these different kind of philosophical um, like approaches to different parts of it. So, for example, one person talks about like art and the nature of how it's like essential for human uh, survival uh, within society. And then it looks at like Rapture as an example of that um, from Bioshock 1. And then like another one looks at Bioshock Infinite and talks about like moral responsibility um and it was really interesting it was like the idea of if there is like a multiverse and you are always the same person across every multiverse and you always have to make the same choice because that is who you are can you be held morally accountable for a decision that you technically can't not make because that is the decision you will always make um so it talks about like lots of different like philosophical stuff around the games um and it was just really interesting i kind of blasted it out over a couple of days um and it's kind of a bit mind melty at points, like a couple of things that I was reading, I kind of had to go back and be like, I've no idea what I just read on that page. So I'm going to have to try that again. Um, but some of it's really interesting and it gives you a much deeper um, kind of understanding about just how ridiculously ahead of its time this game actually was, especially the first one. It came out in like 2007 and the actual law behind that series is just ridiculous. Um, and I think reading this helped give me a whole new appreciation for a lot of elements that went completely over my head when I played it um and yeah I just really recommend it if you're very much into like Bioshock or like deeper narrative driven games this series they do one on like Batman I think there's one on uh Tomb Raider potentially they do all sorts they've done them on movies different characters all sorts um it's well worth checking out if you're into wanting to find out more about these worlds um and just exploring them from whole different perspectives because while I didn't necessarily agree with all of the points made within some of the perspectives, they were still very interesting to check out and understand a bit more about. So yeah, it was really good. I'd really kind of recommend it if you're wanting to find out a bit more. Nice. Yeah, I did see you reading that. You absolutely stormed past that in like a day, um, over two days. And it did sound interesting. I might go and look up the Lara Croft one. Um, although it's probably going to have a lot of, a lot of uh, debate around feminism and it's probably gonna have a lot of debate around should we be fucking around in the pyramids <laughs> um who knows? uh josh what is your recommendation of the week so my recommendation is a show that recently released on netflix i think it was like the fifth or sixth um what day are we on god that's that's the kind of week it's been um <laughs> it's a netflix show called beef um this is an A24 produced TV show that stars Stephen Yoon and Ali Wong as two people that are kind of separate ends of the kind of um, privileged spectrum when it comes to money and jobs and stuff like that. Um, they come to a head at like a road rage incident between each other, um, uh, which seemingly is kind of inconsequential by the end, but it kind of makes to, to spiral out of control with their lives um it's really funny it's really poignant um 
the acting in it is incredible. I've not finished it yet. I, we're trying to, me and my partner are trying to kind of um, spare them so we don't just binge it the whole time. Um, well, I think I'm on episode six out of 10. Um, it's really nicely shot. I think it has a lot of messaging and themes of uh, kind of like no matter where you are in life in terms of privilege, you've always got something that's going to be kind of like hard for you. Um, and people need to understand that. Uh, yeah, it's just like, it's just really entertaining TV. Um, and I thoroughly recommend it. Very, very, very good. Um, Mr. Tom, what is your recommendation of the week? Month? Yeah. <laughs> um, my recommendation is a YouTuber I've, I've stumbled Ooh. upon. Uh, Monty Zander with a Z, Z-A-N-D-E-R. Uh, he does like long form video essays on video games. Um, uh, he's in the midst of doing the Arkham games. Um, he's just did Origins, which helped with that question and the quiz. Um, yeah, he, he's just got really like insightful, really well thought out um, video essays. He's got like uh, one on all of the Bioshocks. Oh, he's got one for each of the Bioshocks. He's he's got a lot of content, and they're they're chunky, um, but that's the sort of content I like to find. And yeah, it's just really good, um, like light tone as well, so it's not like super heavy. Um, yeah, it's it's a good time. Good listen. Very cool. Oh, nice. I love a good YouTuber. Um, I sit at my desk all day and sometimes I'm just hankering for a, a YouTuber to to watch and listen to in between in between when I um, am busy with with bits and pieces. So that sounds cool. Um, York, my dude, what is your recommendation of the week? My recommendation of the week is my favourite game of all time. Um, <laughs> and what it, is that? It is Battle Brothers. Uh, so Battle Brothers is a strategy game, surprise, surprise, um, which is set in a low fantasy medieval world. You command a mercenary company from various backgrounds, which you can choose from, uh, and you command it on like a campaign map where it goes to, where it takes contracts, what type of contracts, what equipment they use, what skills they have, and so on. You level your individual brothers over time. Uh, with various skills based on what equipment you want them to use. Um, And then you have turn-based tactical battles on like a hex grid format uh, map. And uh, you just take turns in in, uh, taking actions between you and the AI. This released initially into like early access, I want to say like 2016, and then it did a full release in 2017. It's had a few DLCs, the most recent of which came out in 2021, I want to say. Um, And I absolutely adore it. I have about 1,800 hours in the game. Uh, Nice. And there are a few mods for it, Um, in particular one called Legends Mod. Uh, which I've really enjoyed, which adds significantly uh, an extra amount of content 
and either whether it's base game or with the DLC or with mods, I I love Battle Brothers. So I think that's going to be my recommendation for this week because I'm really feeling the hankering to play another campaign and I'm probably going to end up doing it on stream. Very nice. And where can we watch your streams, Yog? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Yogdog. I stream every day. I have done since January the 1st, 2021. So I'm up to like 830-odd days now. That's nuts. Fair play, my dude. Fair play. Tom has just also said that that game is now on PlayStation 2. So if you don't have a PC, there you go. It's on console. Fabulicious. Uh, my recommendation of the week is a game called Yolked. Yolked is essentially the modern version of I Am Bread, but you're an egg and you have to <laughs> escape different environments. So you start off in the kitchen. Um, it is very, very cleverly designed in regards to like just the... <laughs> Just the storytelling of the design is really, really funny. Um, In the background of, like, the attic, it has loads of eggs in cages, and then it has, like, they literally, like, start smashing their head against the door, and then they crack a little bit, and then there's, like, a mutant egg right at the back, and it's just, yeah, so essentially this guy's, like, collecting eggs, and this little egg has escaped, but you only, like, your controls are the, like, back buttons of your controller, um, and, you know, your left side is your left hand, and your right side is your right hand, and then you can fling yourself, and it's Iron Bread, but just, you know, jazzed up a lot. Um, It's so much fun, there's, you know, there's different routes to different levels, um and it kind of invites you to take a hard route because there's like collectibles everywhere and the collectibles are skins for your egg so you can become an avocado a sushi roll you can be um, like spider-man i think like um you can be all sorts you can it's absolutely not so you can be a unicorn you can have like different like air behind you so you can have rainbow air or you can have like farty air it's just so much fun it's just great um i had a blast of it um it is frustrating in parts but it has like it's just yeah it's just a good game it's fantastic for streamers or like speedrunners because there is only like four or five main levels the levels are quite long but of course like you're dying so quickly um and so often that you know there's there's so much potential to do like challenge runs and speed runs and like you know not not you know trying to beat a level within like 10 deaths or something um but it's yeah it came out april 5th and it's on steam i'm sure it will probably hit the other console soon um it's just a lot of fun check it out if you can um right then ladies and gentlemen i think that is everything um thank you all so much for listening to this podcast and don't forget if you want to follow us you absolutely everywhere just check the link tree in the bio in the description below to find us in all the places possible if you want to follow us on twitter you absolutely can at fngrgns or you can follow us individually and you can do that in the description as well where you'll find all of our handles below except for miles who's smart and doesn't have twitter if you really like what we do, then you can subscribe to our Patreon for $1 a month, which keeps the podcast alive and kicking on its various podcast services and keeps the website nice and shiny. Um, but that's it. We'll be back next week. I can't wait for you to come back, and we hope you do. Uh, but until then, it's goodbye from Miles Thompson. Oh, well. It is goodbye from Brother from Another Mother, spiritually, Joshua Thompson. Goodbye, everyone. It is goodbye from Tom. Goodbye. It is goodbye from Yog Dog. 
goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We will see you next time on Finger Guns Podcast. <laughs>